everyone, welcome back to episode six of One More Thing. My name is Cody, I'm the online campus pastor here at Mount Pleasant, and I'm joined with the one and only, <laughs> our fearless leader, Pastor Chris Philbeck. If you've been watching One More Thing uh, these last few weeks, then you know what this is all about. Um, but if this is your first time, uh, One More Thing is where we spend just a few extra minutes talking about the previous sermon, and then we dive just a little bit deeper. This past weekend, we began a new sermon series called Stories You Thought You Knew, uh, where we're going to be looking at some familiar stories from the Bible. Um, and this past weekend, Pastor Chris um, talked about the story of Jesus and Nicodemus that's found in John chapter 3. Basically, we have a story of a man here named Nicodemus who's super well-known. He's a high-ranking Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. And as Pastor Chris said, basically it's the Supreme Court of ancient Israel. He was someone who wanted to see Jesus and speak with Jesus. Uh, he had heard of the things that he'd been doing. And so he wanted uh, to seek some answers for the questions that he had. Chris, as you preach that message, if there are things that maybe you wanted to share that you didn't, or if you want to expand on anything, maybe what would that be? Sure. I love the story of Jesus and Nicodemus and, um, I was able to, to share uh, most of what was really on my heart with regard to that. But if there was anything that I would add uh, today, I would just say that I am, every time I read the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, I'm overwhelmed by Nicodemus's honesty. Mm. I think you see that honesty in a couple of different ways. First of all, uh, when, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said, and this is John chapter three and verse two, uh, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God for no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. But Nicodemus wasn't the only one who was familiar with the miraculous things Jesus had done. All the Pharisees knew about those things. In fact, if you're familiar with the gospel record, you know that many of them had witnessed them firsthand, and yet they overwhelmingly rejected Jesus in spite of the evidence. The thing that strikes me about Nicodemus is just how, how honest he was in his heart because he just came right out and said, listen, regardless of what anyone else thinks or regardless of what anyone else says, I know that you're a teacher who's come from God because no one can do the things that you've done. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the honesty in his heart. The second way I think we really see uh, his honesty is uh, in the fact that he came to Jesus as a seeker. And we talked in the message this last weekend that one of the things that always amazes me about the story of Jesus and Nicodemus is Jesus actually answered Nicodemus's question mm -hmm the most pressing question of his life before Nicodemus even articulated it. Because after Nicodemus just said his introductory lines to Jesus to kind of start the conversation, Jesus says to him in John chapter three and verse three, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. I appreciate the fact that Nicodemus was not just drawn to Jesus because he was a someone who performed miracles that no one had ever seen before, but also because he saw in Jesus the opportunity um, to meet a need in his own life because he recognized that something was missing in his own life. Being a religious Jew, being a Pharisee, being a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, being involved in all of the endless uh, following of the law, the detail of the law, and the, the demands of the law was not enough for him. But here's an interesting thing that we didn't talk about really this weekend. I don't know that when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he really understood what his question was. Hmm. I think he just knew something was missing. The life and the ministry of Jesus sparked or awakened uh, that the reality of that need or it compelled him to not ignore that need any longer and seek Jesus out. And that's 
why he did that. He did that at night, and I mentioned that the common belief is because he didn't want anyone to know. He wanted to do it in secret as a Pharisee, but I think, honestly, he did it at night because he believed that would be the most appropriate setting or the best setting for him to be able to have a genuine, meaningful conversation uh, with Jesus. And one of the things I think we can take from that on a practical level in our lives today is I think that we're surrounded every day by lots and lots of people who have this understanding that something is missing in their life. And I say that based on uh, just all the years that I've been a pastor and all the different conversations I've had with people, because I've had lots of situations over the years where someone will come to me and they'll express a need or a frustration in their life. Uh, but through the course of a conversation, it becomes apparent uh, that the need is much deeper than they even understand. And it's they're a lot like Nicodemus. Hmm. Uh, they have a need uh, for a spiritual, supernatural uh, experience with God that leaves their life completely changed and transformed. And we need to understand that one of the best ways we can go about sharing our faith and making an impact, a spiritual impact on other people's lives, sometimes that happens a lot more when we listen than when we talk. Uh, you know, the, the whole stereotype of sharing your faith is all about talking. You know, what questions do I ask? How do I, how do I succinctly share the gospel and those kinds of things? But I think oftentimes we're better off if we just listen. A few years ago, I, I led a, uh, in, in, when we did our One Life series, I led a small group every Wednesday night with a, another man in our church, one of our elders, Rick Neville, uh, that was composed of people who were not Christians. In fact, most of them identified themselves as atheists. Mm. The entire experience was coming together uh, and letting them share the questions that they had for God and then spending each evening talking about those questions. But I uh, really resisted the temptation at times to jump in and give an explanation or say, well, I got an answer for that. And I just listened to them. I just let them talk. I had a blue notebook with me every night and uh, that I was there and I wrote down, I tried to write down everything that the people said. And then as I would go back over the weeks, I would go back and I would read that as they were talking and, and I was just listening, Rick and I were just listening, they were actually working out some of their questions of faith on their own. And they were actually answering their own questions because I would look back and say, well, on week two, you said this, you believe this about God, but on week five, you said this, and it's a completely, it's mm. a completely different statement. Okay. And they were working their way, their, their selves out. Now, Jesus didn't have to do that with Nicodemus because Jesus was God in human flesh. And he was like, okay, let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. I'm seeing right into your heart. Here's the deal. You need to be born again. Mm. Now, we don't, we don't have that kind of uh, intuition in our lives. We don't have that spiritual intuition and power in our lives. And so oftentimes when it comes to helping people understand the need of their life, the best thing we can do is listen. And as we listen, of course, we talked about this a lot on the weekend. We can't be afraid of their questions. Right. Even if we don't know the answer, even if it's a question we never heard of or experienced before, um, we can't be afraid to let people ask their questions. Not only do we need to not be afraid of people's questions, but I really believe that there are times when we are having spiritual conversations with people when we need to have the courage and the boldness to ask them questions. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they can be hard questions. And I see that in the story here because John chapter three, verse, uh, and start with verse five. And this is when Jesus is really trying to give some explanation to Nicodemus about 
this whole idea of being born again. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Then he says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And so Nicodemus asks what many people would think is the obvious question. He says, well, how can this be? And in John chapter three and verse 10, this is what Jesus says in response. He says, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? Hmm. Now, in context, that was... That was a rough question for Nicodemus mm -hmm. because Nicodemus, again, was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was the religious elite in Israel. Everything about him screamed righteousness. Everything about him screamed, I've got all the answers. Someone who would know the scriptures front to back. Absolutely, word word, you know. absolutely. And Jesus is telling him this fundamental truth about being right with God. And he says, how can it be? And, and when, Jesus, when Jesus asked the question, you, you know, you're Israel's teacher and you don't know, that would have been a wake-up call mm. for Nicodemus. That would have been more than Jesus being a smart aleck. Yeah, yeah. That would be Jesus asking a question that forced Nicodemus to recognize mm. that everything that he had been involved in up to this point in order to be right with God was hollow and empty mm. and had no answers. But uh, really, overwhelmingly, more than anything else, uh, I think the, the thing that stands out to me about the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, and we talked about this, is just, you know, don't be afraid of questions. Let, let, let people ask their questions. I got a couple of books that I, I had uh, written down here that are good resources. If you, if you are somebody who'd like to maybe take your spiritual influence to the next level and maybe uh, be a little bit more prepared, I've got this book here called The Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask written by Mark Middleberg, who was a guest speaker here at Mount Pleasant when we did our Room for Doubt series. And another question, I don't have a copy of it here because I, I loaned it out and it hasn't been returned, uh, but uh, I went back to make sure I had the exact right title, uh, is a really good book I would recommend if you wanna just kind of equip yourself. And that's called 77 FAQs, or Frequently Asked Questions About God and the Bible, written by Josh McDowell and his son, Sean McDowell. And so he, they just they just pose some of the hardest questions that people can ask about spiritual things and then give some answers. Uh, all that to say is we can't equip ourselves to, uh, to have conversations, spiritual conversations with people. Uh, and we need to be willing to welcome their questions. And at times, we need to be willing to ask some hard questions of our own. I'm gonna link those books down below in the comments. Um, I heard a lot of good things about this past weekend's message from people uh, online and people I've talked to. So if you haven't watched or listened to that message, go do that, um, come back here. Maybe this will help spark some more thoughts um, and conversations about the, this past weekend's message and then join us um, next week as well. We hope to see you then.